0: Welcome to Sophos Security Chat Chat number 242 for the 18th of June 2016. It's John Shire hosting this week, and
1: I'm here with Paul Ducklin. Good afternoon, Paul. Hello, John. And just so everyone knows, we're in the same room. For once, yes, Uh, this is great. in, In what we loosely call the studio at Sophos HQ. I haven't seen you for years. It's been very nice catching up with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I hear you were just in uh, Belgium this past week. Yes, I was at InfoSec Belgium this week, InfoSec London the week before. Uh, great fun. Did a talk on ransomware. That's big news in Belgium like it is everywhere. Uh, by the way, John, we had a random number, hardware random number generator on our stand. You don't see those very often, do you? No, it, this will be quite slow in bitrate. Uh, it was a Wheel of Fortune machine, and it was it determined which of the Sophos freebies you'd win, whether you'd get the, for those about to code, we salute you socks, or an IT Rockstar t-shirt, or, oh, I bet you didn't know we had these Sophos frisbees. They're really cool ones. I have heard of the Sophos frisbees, but I have yet to see one. Shop.Sophos.com. I think you can buy them for yourself.
0: And all the other goodies that we sell. Yes. So on to the news. There's been a story that's been developing this week about a particular exploit kit kind of going off the map. The Angular exploit kit, which according to Sophos Labs' telemetry, has been the most prevalent exploit kit in the landscape. There's a few other ones, Neutrino, Magnitude, Rig, all doing essentially the same thing. But we noticed something really interesting in on June 7th. The telemetry for Angular specifically just went to zero. And this leads to a lot of speculation as to why that is, but I think this might have something to do with some Russians being arrested.
1: Well, you wrote a great article on naked security and there's a graph there for people who want to see how this suddenly dropped off over a period of a week or so and then kind of went to zero. My understanding is that actually we can even pinpoint the moment it was 49 seconds past 29 minutes past five Zulu time on the 7th of June that the guys kind of seem to stop bothering to, sending, to, to send out exploit kit stuff. So we don't know, do we? But maybe this is related to a very big bust that the that Russian law enforcement, the FSB, made. What was it? The, near the beginning of June. Did some simultaneous bust of 50 people. Now, apparently that was related to some banking malware, more about stealing passwords, called Lurk. But we've seen that before, haven't we? Like CryptoLocker. Vanished because the servers were in the same room as the guys who were running the Gozi Trojan. So when they got taken down, CryptoLocker went off the air. So although cybercrime like Nature abhors a vacuum and someone else will surely take over, let's hope it is the end for Angler. Uh, You've got a graph there on the the Naked Security article showing that 80% of the exploit kit activity we were measuring was down to Angler. So for all that it won't stop the exploit kit problem, let's hope it makes a big dent.
0: As you say, we we do see some of this activity go away from time to time. You mentioned CryptoLocker. Uh, in 2013, the Black Hole exploit kit, which was at the time the reigning exploit kit, also disappeared off of the map when the author Paunch was arrested. And, and quickly thereafter, a bunch of the other exploit kits that I had mentioned previously sort of started bubbling up and becoming... Well, that was sort of
1: ang- anglers way into the market, wasn't it?
0: Well, that's just it. it, it because Black Hole was arguably the first really fully featured and, and successful exploit kit, they borrowed a lot of the knowledge of, of how to do exploit kits from Black Hole. Um, and so, yes, Angler kind of got their start at that point. And just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Tesla Crypt go down, where the project was allegedly shut down out of remorse, although I don't think we really buy that, and, and the Master Key released. You know, This is, again, one of these good news stories where... Maybe it's related to this Lurk bust, uh, Lurk being the banking Trojan that was uh, involved in, in this this big arrest of the 50 Russians. But um, a, a few other telltale signs as well. So the neutrino activity uh, seemed to spike almost immediately following...
1: Neutrino being another exploit, like a competitor, I suppose.
0: Correct, yeah, another exploit kit. Uh, that activity started climbing markedly right after Angler went down. Some of the major customers of these exploit kit merchants, if you will, uh, CryptXXX was one of the ones who switched from almost exclusively using Angler to going to Neutrino. Uh, Neutrino then started charging a little bit more for their services, which may be a supply and demand type of uh, <laughs> pressure exerted on the market. So yeah, again, as you say, let's hope that this is the end for Angler because it does cause a lot of damage uh, to unsuspecting users out there. But um,
1: as far as we can tell this might be it and although malware particularly ransomware can get in in lots of different ways email web and so forth exploit kits are still a profitable vehicle for the crooks so as always patch early patch often right because although the exploit kits do use zero days when they can get them most of the time they don't really need it do they They can get away with exploits that people haven't patched for six months. There are sufficiently many of them that they can still make an awfully good illegal living just on people who could protect themselves a bit better fairly easily. Well, that's
0: an interesting segue, Paul, because as we saw on Naked Security this week, uh, Adobe was promising a patch as early as June 16th for a vulnerability that they've named CVE 2016-4171, which as it happens, is an in-the-wild Flash zero day.
1: (laughs) Yes, the fourth time in four months. Now, of course, vulnerabilities, as we all know, are supposed to have catchy names. I think this one could be, oh dear, not again. Let's not pick on Adobe, let's not pick on Flash, but by golly, most sites don't need Flash, even if they support it when you ask them to. It seems a completely needless risk. For goodness sake, four times in four months, it's obvious that the crooks are putting the effort into Flash because it pays off. Some other
0: good news uh, this week, which is uh, the notorious spam king,
1: Sanford, or as you like to call him, Spamford Wallace, which has... got some other words for him as well, but I don't think we'll repeat them on the podcast because Mm. we're before the watershed. Right, and we
0: do not want that explicit tag, do we? Uh, He's basically been... uh, clogging up Facebook with with millions upon millions of unsolicited messages. Anyways, uh, he was basically sentenced to two and a half years uh, in the slammer.
1: Yes, and in this case, I think people are going, you know what, he's been a recidivist, he's done this for a decade or more, he's had fines that he hasn't paid for huge amounts of money, he's been ordered by the court not to use Facebook, he's violated that court order by going straight back online and trying to hide himself. He's made life a misery with unwanted message for zillions of people over the years. He's getting two and a half years. I think you would be hard-pressed to find anybody who says he doesn't deserve it. But it does at least remind us that although the wheels of justice may grind slowly, sometimes they do grind through in the end. It is quite heartening to see that some of these people are eventually
0: facing justice uh, for some of the pain that they're bringing down on us.
1: Yes. And John, I think it's easy to say, well, you know, spam versus outright cybercrime, like banking, malware, ransomware, keyloggers, that kind of stuff, you know, maybe where you can just delete it and it doesn't put you directly in harm's way. It's easy to fall into that trap. But actually the relationship between spams and scams in the general sense, I mean, it is part of cybercrime. And in many cases, the stuff that spam is being used to deliver the spammers don't care what's in there. One day they could be trying to sell you unlawful pills and the next day what could be going out is something that takes you to a website that doesn't want you to buy something you don't want it actually actively hits you with an exploit kit or tries to infect you. There's a very thin almost non-existent boundary there. So spamming absolutely it's cybercrime and don't get don't get any idea that it's some kind of lesser of two evils really.
0: Well I think it goes even farther than that in in that there's this massive amount of distraction, if you will, with a lot of this nuisance spam that can potentially distract you from some of the more nefarious or the the more destructive type activity that's happening on your network so uh it, it's kind of this is kind of the haystack that the needle is hiding in in many respects, so you know if we can try to get as much of this nuisance stuff out of the way, we'll be in better shape to spot the harder, more advanced uh, maybe techniques or or attacks that are happening against our networks.
1: There's a great article on Naked Security. It's a couple of years ago now that our colleagues in Sophos Labs in Hungary did an experiment where they took a regular, like middle-of-the-range powered laptop-type computer, a middle-of-the-range home DSL speed connection, and what you might call a middle-of-the-range sized zombie with a middle of what we thought was a middle-of-the-range botnet behind it, And they let this thing go in a way that it could receive instructions, generate any spam it was going to send out, send the spam. But of course, we caught the spam, so it wasn't delivered. But it gave us a good idea in one week of how much spam the average infected home computer can send. The answer was five and a half million. The other thing that in amongst this, I forget the actual details, but during these five and a half million spam messages for all sorts of stuff, there were something like somewhere in the low teens, number of distinct malware campaigns that went out at various stages. Make no mistake, spam is not just about telling you about fantastic offers that you're not interested in. They're also about owning your computer and using it for yet more criminality in the future. So I want to
0: cover one last story before we conclude the podcast, and that is of um, this GitHub story basically... GitHub is an online source code repository, which is free for open source projects. So therefore, it's very commonly used in the open source community. Uh, They have approximately 35 million repositories uh, with 14 million users. Now, it appears that there uh, was an issue with logins and passwords. Uh, What I like about this story and, and why I'm using it as sort of the good news story to end is On the face of it, you might think that GitHub had an issue with possibly a breach. But what I'm really looking at this is GitHub was able to catch some, what we think is some possibly illicit activity against their site uh, before any damage was actually
1: done. Well, I think some people were unfortunate, and that's part of what they noticed. This is very much like the Twitter story we wrote about recently where 33 million so-called Twitter logins, and I'm making air quotes here, were up for sale on the dark web. And of course, the inference is, well, Twitter must have been breached. And I think a German company called TeamViewer had something very similar recently. Everyone said, oh, TeamViewer, my account's been hacked. It must be TeamViewer. It's a remote control tool. They must have been hacked. And now GitHub's having the same problem. None of those organizations were breached. We have to take them at their word. There's no reason to accept that the passwords came from them because they would have been hashed anyway, so they wouldn't have been so easily usable. And my understanding is in each case, you know, some of the passwords work and some of them don't. So the suggestion is either the list came from some password-stealing malware that other crooks had used for a while, accumulated a list and put it up for sale, or very similarly, perhaps just or even more likely, There's a breach of company X, nothing to do with GitHub, and the crooks are figuring, well, let's do our research and see how many people really do reuse their passwords. And lo and behold, it seems that we still haven't learned that lesson. And GitHub's advice, really, all it can really be is don't reuse passwords. And by the way, guys, we do offer two-factor authentication. It doesn't solve all known problems, but it does make one stolen password much less useful in the future. So I see 2FA as a way of making yesterday's breach much, much less useful today because the crooks have only got the password data they needed from before. They can't predict what your login codes are going to be tomorrow. Exactly. And I think the use of two-factor authentication is, is definitely...
0: Uh, an additional mitigation, as as you like to say, it's not uh, tea or coffee. It's more like gin and tonic. You, you don't often drink the gin without the tonic, or I should say, you don't often drink the tonic without the gin.
1: Yes. Well, that's the thing. I, I had someone actually asking me the other day saying, you know, isn't a strong password much better than 2FA? It's not the way it works. Have a strong password and add two-factor authentication into the mix. It isn't Quite like fish and chips where you can eat one and not the other. It is more like a gin and tonic. You get them both. You put them together. You get something that's better than either one on its own. So on that note, folks, remember, do not reuse your passwords because
0: even though the breach might have occurred years ago, it can still come back to haunt you. Wherever possible, turn on that two-factor authentication or sometimes called two-step verification, depending on the model. And if you want some advice on how to pick a proper password, simply go on over to nakedsecurity.sophos.com and enter pick a proper password in the search field. On that note, I will conclude Sophos Chatless Chat number 242. For all of your security news, please go to nakedsecurity.sophos.com. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, the TuneIn app, on Google Play, and at soundcloud.com slash Security. And until next time, stay secure.